Uh, I'm going to hit the broadcast if you're ready. Yeah, crack on, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Past the exam in January, currently working through the project. Uh, well, Chris, well done passing the exam. We're going to look at the, uh, the numbers of one of the recent exams and stuff. And um, yeah. Cam says, is it very different from the level three, two, three, six, five? Do you, are you referring to the design component of that? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I've delivered the two, three, six, five quite a few, you know, for a number of years with hmm. uh, local FE colleges. And yeah, it's, it's, a step, it's a big step up. The two three nine six. Yeah. It, it involves gonna... a whole different level of understanding of yeah. requirements for electrical installations. Yeah. And it's the understanding rather than the sort of and we mentioned this earlier, didn't we? A lot of people have got a certain amount of knowledge where they can sort of quote stuff from the regs, but it's understanding why it's there and what it's all about and the theory and the processes and the principles behind it, mm -hmm. which is where the uh two three nine six really starts. Indeed. Uh, What's this? I should have shared my screen. Hopefully, it's it's probably actually it's probably nothing. It's probably my blank screen. It's got all sort of love, pretty colored squares in pretty, it. Pretty pretty colored squares on it. That'll do. Yeah, pretty colored squares are good. Okay, so let me just pop open a browser. Uh, all right. So if we were to go to um, City and Guild site, okay, anyone you can do this. Go here, search the site, hit two three nine six, and in there. You see the design and verification. So if you think about doing the course, this is all public access information. In here, there's information tab, which is good information, obviously. And then there's documents there as well. And then you've got additional documents, level four documents, and you've got assessment materials, center documents. Now, obviously the specific sentiment, you know, the assessment data, uh, you can't access here, but you can access, I think the drawing. But you can, if you go onto assessment materials, if you click on assessment materials, it yeah. will bring up the drawings years, and you can get the project drawings and anybody can see those at any time. They're, they're not password protected. They are openly mm. available to anybody to look at. So anybody that's thinking of doing the 2396, you can go onto the City and Guilds website this weekend and you can bring up the project drawing. Okay, so obviously that's going to give you a big hint as to what you're going to be answering questions about because the project, I mean, we can openly tell you, I think it's a, it's a, a petrol station. Yeah. Okay. You see the information, the key information about uh, the PFC, the ZE, the, the material, all that stuff is hidden away. Um, but the, you know, the basics is there. Yeah, the project uh, is openly available. The drawings are openly available for anybody to look at. But furthermore, the qualification handbook. Okay. Now the qualification handbook, I've actually, I delivered, I put videos on YouTube and in those videos, I just went through these outcomes. I went through all of the outcomes and we're not going to go through this today on this webinar because I think that'll just take too long. Uh, but I went through all these outcomes about what's expected in the course, expected in the exam and what the assessments are. Obviously you've got the, the written exam. And I think a lot of the courses are more about preparing you for that and then maybe the project they'll probably relax and then help you with after the fact, uh, mainly because the project is is marked by the uh, is sent to marked, isn't it? Uh, and then it's yeah. um, externally verified. 
Um, whilst obviously the exam itself is a written exam that's sent off. Uh, and I think a lot more of the preparation is for that exam. It's, it's another one of these exams that used to be the, the, the 2394, the 2395 and the 2391 previous to this mm -hmm. used to be the same. It was a case of dated, uh, they were dated. So you had certain dates throughout the year where you actually go to a centre and you actually take the exam there. And it had to be done on a certain day at a certain time, yeah, set by sitting in guilds. And then exams. all that would be sent off by the centre to sitting in guilds for marking. Now, I can't, I mean, obviously the, um, the 2391s have kind of evolved from that. Um, the 2396 is still like that. And hopefully it'll be like that for some time yet. Um, but I can imagine that they'll eventually evolve that out to then, you know, make more money from that process. But anyway, so yeah. There's the handbook. You saw how I found that. Okay. I just went to the website. I searched 2396 in the field. I went to the exam. It's documents and they're there. Now we want to look at additional documents today. And then we want to look at examiner reports. And these are great. And what Phil and I just want to talk really about is a couple of these reports. We're going to talk through them just to kind of show some of the common problems that are evident in the opinions and obviously where people are failing these exams. So which one shall I start with, Pop? The 2020 well, start, with two th start with 2020. All right. So March 2020. Yeah. yeah? All right. Remember, any, any of you guys can access, the, access this information. It's not under any password. It's on the City and Guilds website, and you can access this at any time quite freely and have a look. And these are really, really, really good reading because it shows you and demonstrates where a lot of people are going wrong. Uh, yeah. When you consider, I think, if you are you going to open that up or not? I've opened it. You see okay, that? yeah, fine. That's the March 2020, yeah? You will see that 71% of the people that took this exam failed. Where does it tell me that? Uh, I think if you go towards the end, page six. Page six of the document itself. Page six of the document, yeah. Here we oh, go. Here we go, here we go. Go back slightly, hang up. So... About this, 70% of the people failed that took this exam. Now there were, when you consider numbers, I think it says also in the document, it says that 116 people took this exam back mm. in March. Um, so if 70% passed it, it meant that obviously, sorry, 70% failed, 30% passed. We're looking at about 35 people passed it out right. of 116. So that's 70 odd people or 80, 80 people that got a real kick in the teeth through failing it. We all hate failing exams. Okay, so it really what, does put you on the backward foot. Well, what I want to ask you then is, obviously, some of this might be down to obviously just you know poor preparation, maybe not being able to perform on the night. But what to you is an effective RPL for this course? Suitable prior learning. What do you think? Is it just have you done the regs? Have you done well, the two three nine one? Now yeah. move on. What else is there that you think is suitable RPL? If you look through what City and Guild say, you know, they actually say there's no prior learning needed mm -hmm. for this course, but they recommend people have done the two three nine four or the two three nine five. Uh, in fact, City and Guild's website is slightly behind on this because it still mentions those and it, it still mentions the 17th edition. So they got a little bit of catching up to do. Hmm. So what we're looking at is recommended prior learning would be at least the 2391 as it is now. Okay. At least very much so initial verification, possibly uh, having the uh, periodic inspection and testing as well, but at least 
initial verification, the 2391, Why which is I think that, is though? the 50, because is... obviously you need to know how to inspect and test. Yeah, but from a design perspective, there's so much more you need to understand. Yeah. Than just you know the two three nine is it is it maybe mirrored because the two three nine one exams asked you to write technically a few years ago? Do you they think that so might be part now, of it? They? they don't they now. Don't so much now. They don't now because I just can't see how someone who's been drilled within the information to understand the two three nine one about testing and inspection and initial verification now is suitably prepared to then write. I will no doubt upset a number of people when I say, and I stand by this, the 2391 as it used to be many years ago, before the 2394 and 2395 came out, um, was a much harder test than the current 2391. Uh, the 2391 as it is currently with the 239150, 51 and 52, isn't as taxing as the old two, three, nine, well, one. Like I, like I just said, technical writing. I think that's the key. There's very yeah. little technical writing in the, in the modern two, three, nine, one. And I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing that used to happen in the two, three, nine, one that you need to be able to do in this two, three, nine, six. You yeah. must be able to write technically. That is not just writing an answer, but actually detailing an understanding of your response. Yeah, um, state of response. It hints at that in the actual examiner's reports because all the examiner's reports that I've read through yeah. in the last well, couple of years let's look at one. talk about the fact that when a question asks for an explanation or description of something, okay, hmm. what they're not asking you to do is to quote chapter and verse from the regs and no. just repeat, you know, a regulation number and write out what the regulation is. What they're asking you to do is to show that you've understood a what that regulation means b why that regulation is there okay and that's a totally different kettle of fish isn't it why is a the regulation there what is the, what is the actual meaning and the purpose of that regulation what's it trying to get you to do what's it trying to get you to think yeah. about so it says here it's a totally different thing to just blaging out you know chapter and verse like a, like a parrot what a yeah. regulation number is and that's where a lot of people are going wrong they know what the regulation number is and they can they can write it down because they can refer to their big blue book. But mm. it's the understanding of why the regulation is there and what it's meaning and the purpose of the regulation. We're looking at electrical theory and electrical principles and practices. What's that all about? And it's that yeah. understanding, that level understanding that they're trying to get into, trying mm. to get to a much deeper level. Yeah. So it says here, hello, Sean. Um, it says here, right at the bottom, uh, at the top here under uh, feedback on candidate performance it says these comments are intended to help students prepare for the examination so whilst trainers may take this document as a tool for them to understand where other you know previous learners have, have have slipped up so the trainers can make sure that they cover those areas this is really written for candidates to be aware Mm. and candidates to prepare. So every company should technically have pointed you to these documents at your beginning of the journey to prepare yeah. you for this exam. Um, it says, yeah, 116 went in for this exam. And this is the interesting bit. Okay, so 7671, it became the only current version from January. So this assessment only permitted answers reflecting the 18th edition. Makes sense. It wasn't affected by Amendment 2, uh, published February 2020. Okay. Really? 
Amendment that's, 2? Yeah, that's a bit of a typo. <laughs> <laughs> Candace must take care to read and question carefully and follow the verb in question. Uh, where a question begins with explain or describe, simply quoting text from the regs will not attract marks. Attracting yeah. marks, that's a good thing to understand. Every question is awarded marks, and by attracting marks, it means the person doing the mark needs to identify a key criteria to see if marks can be awarded for that response. If you're asked to do, give, if you're asked a question, it's got five marks for an answer, and you state a response, as much as that might be bang on correct, they can't give you all of the marks for that one response if it's asking yeah. you to explain or describe or something like that. I mean, you know? an example of that would be one that I read in a previous examiner's report. We're talking about the, the, the bonding, yeah? And it talks about explaining, uh, describing uh, and explaining bonding systems. And candidates, a lot of candidates just went to the regs and quoted chapter and verse, okay? Mm. the extraneous conductive parts must be connected to the main earth terminal and pretty much quoted the reg but didn't explain anything at all to do with what is bonding all about what is yeah. actually bonding achieving why are we doing bonding what how does it make the installation safer okay that's what the design course is trying to get you to think about and that's why we're going that much deeper and this is where candidates are going wrong they need to have that understanding that level of knowledge and be able to then put that into words and that isn't always very easy is it for yeah, i mean you if, if you were if you were asking or responding to a question with regards to the need to consider the presence of bonding you're not going to say i'm going to install bonding to regulation blah 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 blah. you're going to say the you know the need to determine things like voltages touch voltages potential differences to understand the purpose and the intent of the bonding yeah you but know, also you, what happens under that. fault conditions what happens under fault conditions to that metal work Mm -hmm. you know i mean people i say to people about bonding they say well it keeps everything at zero volts well no actually it doesn't it's the opposite yeah. you know rises um, everything to make to so make people reference. need to understand exactly what's going on and what that is doing and that i mean that's just one example bonding you know um, yeah okay uh, where questions are seeking why particular regulations or measures are required candidates must take care to explain why as opposed to what requirements are or how or where they are applied yeah so it, you know yeah no statements you must have a good understanding and a lot of this leans so much on a very well detailed understanding of ps7671 and i go all the way back to my my journey with delivering the 80th edition and then trying to stress that people need to understand the content and the application of these regulations to work from these regulations if you can understand how to work from these regulations because you know what they're trying to do these exams are going to be a lot easier a lot lot easier because you can really can just write right to your heart's content because you understand what's going on Several questions require candidates to give a specific number of responses. A small but significant number of candidates give more answers than asked for. That's a very good sign to say to the marker that the candidate doesn't quite know specifically what's being asked and they're just throwing noise on the paper. To, and then, because you know, in some papers it's like, okay, yeah, let's find the mark and he's mentioned so much, let's give him the marks for this bit, this bit, and this bit. With this exam, you can't just throw noise on the paper and assume the guy marking is going to give you the marks because you've mentioned it somewhere. It's got to be specific. It, so it was always a no, it was no, always a direction yeah. um, from sitting guilds and from the examiners and the EVs and the IVs 
when delivering uh, 2357, the electrical apprenticeship, or delivering 2365 and all the predecessors, 2330 and all the rest of them, uh, in, the, in the years that I've been delivering stuff in FE colleges, when you're given uh, a question, okay, and the question says, state three things, we were always told to mark the first three things mm -hmm. that are mentioned. And the, the amount first. of times you would get almost like a hit list. So what you do though is you get a guy. Three things, you end up with ten. You, you know, get a, somebody who would start writing, but then whilst they're writing, they then had that eureka moment where they understood the question, and then they added the right answer right at the end of a passage, yeah. and you can see it. But you yeah, can't but you're only it. allowed to take the first three. That that was yeah. a directive that we were given mm -hmm. when when I when I was working on FE college with apprentices. Yeah, and as, and as you say, it's it's a case of. So some of the guys not quite sure so instead of putting three things down i'll put 10 yeah. and hopefully the right answers are in there somewhere well that's not what we're after you know we want to know that people know exactly what they're talking about and understand what they're talking about um and by putting multiple answers down okay you're actually indicating that you're not quite sure yeah the issue here's a bit for training companies okay so centers need to be encouraged to teach the candidates the reasons why certain regulations exist okay change yeah. or introduced understanding why they change gives far better insight into why they are essential and the risks associated centers may wish to use resources such as wiring matters or others i mean we've referred to wiring matters on a num number of occasions okay these include risks such as those associated with pme arrangements well i mean I, well, let's not go there let's not go there <laughs> let's, especially let's, at the moment let's not go there but i mean anybody a who's PME, in, a pme yeah um <laughs> If you know what we're up to, you know that we're on, we're on, yeah, we are looking into this right now. Uh, support for wiring systems. In order to protect firefighters operating in building and structures and situations where some installations require surge protection. Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's as if, yeah, I mean, we've done, we've done, we've done webinars on that. Web, webinars on fire. We've yeah. done webinars on surge. I've done podcasts on surge all to help try to explore this area, which clearly a lot of people do not understand. And when it comes to having to write responses about this, they just can't because they haven't got that resource. Yeah. Um, again, uh, we, we, we looked at this just not long ago and we just were like reading this and we're going, well, hang on, we've been doing this because we know that this isn't done. Yeah. So if you're doing the 2396, don't forget how valuable it would be to look at the E5 podcast, listen to the stuff that we've been putting out there. Okay, look at some of the other stuff we've been putting on YouTube. Go to the Fire Premature Collapse webinar. Okay, get an understanding of these regulations. Know what they're trying to achieve. Don't just know that they are there. There's a huge difference. I think one of the dangers we've got at the moment is that, um, I think this has been exacerbated by lockdown, is that there is so much information out there now. And there are so many different videos and mm. webinars and all sorts of things that have been thrown up on the internet and trying to sort the wheat from the chaff because some of them are absolute crap. <laughs> Let's be honest. They are. They're complete garbage. Yeah. And it must be quite difficult for people when they're looking for information and they're sort of searching the internet and it's trying to find, you know, which of these are actually any good, which are actually talking sense and which of these are complete garbage. Um, it's, it's true. It's, but again, some people, field. it is a some... minefield. And some people find others much easier to follow, though. Some people will find, like, watching my stuff being, like, watching paint yeah. dry. And some people will find it very rewarding. Some people will need a lot, a lot more entertainment. You know, everybody is different. 
Uh, and that's why I think, I guess things like the Discord or Facebook groups are good because, you know, electricians talking to electricians, they can say to each other, what have you found to be a good resource? Let's not forget yeah. publications. Yeah. I was asked, I was asked about, you know, would I mention publications in this webinar? The Electrician's Design Guide is a very good publication, you know, strongly recommend yeah. that you pick it up. Yeah, recommendations um, from other sparkies are always a good indicator mm. of, of where to go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I would yes, rec highly recommend that people <laughs> look at being selective, shall we say, in what they spend their time watching. David says the ECA guide design is good as well. I think I've got that, an older version of that. Is that the one that John White, whatever his name is, wrote? I can't remember. Uh, yes, that's... Uh, I don't know if they've updated that, but that was a very good design book as well, the ECA one. But again, um, what I will say is a lot of, uh, if, if you just buy a publication, it's up to you to then motivate yourself to read it and to study it and to use it. And that's great if you're motivated. If you're not motivated, then obviously you want to speak to other electricians. You can look at things on YouTube or like I said, one of the best things you could do is what we're doing right now is go to City and Guilds themselves, download the actual criteria, get a huge understanding of this qualification with this free information. The more you know about the qualification from horse's mouth, instead of from what your training provider is going to say to you, they'll say, you don't need this, you do need that. Get it from the City and Guilds so you're truly prepared. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would highly recommend getting all the examiner's reports for the last couple of years read through them and highlight the areas that are shown to be areas of weakness and then focus your attention on those areas and improving your knowledge and understanding of those particular bits because yeah. they, they seem to crop up time and time and time again so that would suggest to me that there's some sort of deficiency somewhere either in the training or learning or, or the combination of both there seems to be some sort of weakness somewhere and it may be just the way that things are delivered because we are in a, a situation, you know, where basically courses are banged out in as few days as possible. You know, this is one of the reasons that we've kind of had so possible. much. Um, and it doesn't really give time for people to actually develop their level of understanding and knowledge. No, it's just exactly. basically crashing through and get my certificate at the end. And a lot of the times the, the, the time in the classroom is all focused on let's have a go at formula, let's have a go at exam preparation, formula, exam, formula, practice exam. And there's not so much of an opportunity for everyone just to sit and discuss and understand. Um, I remember recently when I was an asking you on a 2391 having some learners and we spent nearly two hours off of syllabus just talking about inspection and testing amongst people who have been doing it. And so much more learning was taking place instead of trying to keep up with syllabus. Um, so try to, you know, as much interaction as you can is key. Uh, John says, is the EAL design and verification course at the same level or standard to the city and Guilds 2396? It should be because it will be regulated to Ofqual on the national occupational standards. Yeah. So it should be completely the same. If you trace, a, there's a specific number on that qualification. If you then go to Ofqual and you search that, it will then identify it and it will then refer to another number on the National Occupational Standards, which is the exact same number, the 2396 points to. So they all point to the same regulation criteria. They should do. Yeah, EAL are just, are just another awarding body, aren't they? Yeah. Another awarding body. The, um, there are effectively three main awarding bodies, City and Guilds, Guilds EAL, I won't mention the other one. No, um, the other one, yeah. 
Yeah, we don't, we don't, we're not too got, fond of the other one. Yeah, we both got thoughts on that. But yeah. EAL were they're another awarding body. When we were doing um, apprenticeships and, and whatever at an FE college, uh, we, we, we looked actually moving over to EAL at one time. It's very heavily engineering biased, um, quite in depth. Mm. Um, the biggest issue with EAL is exactly the question you've put there. Is EAL the same? A lot of people have never heard of it and don't recognise it as easily yeah. as they recognise City and Guilds. City and Guilds have got a well-established brand. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just brand so sure, recognition. You know. It's just but brand recognition. EAL um, is another awarding body and it's a perfectly good qualification. It's just in, a case of recognition. In the electrical industry specifically, I mean, City and Guild are very strong. Um, in, the teacher, in, the, in the teacher's training sector, um, I mean, how many different awarding bodies are there that deliver an award, you know, assessor qualifications? There's so many. I see new ones every week. There's so many different awarding bodies in that area. But in the electrical, it's mostly just populated by those three that we've just mentioned. And City and Guild are stronger. Um, but it's just brand. It's just brand recognition. Um, they all have the same intention. They all have the same problems, um, fundamentally. Uh, um, Vince, Vince says, Cam, I passed. Cam's mentioned there that what? the PDF for the drawings is protected. I don't think it is. We've, we've, we, um, we managed to get them without putting a password in. Uh, there might be a different type for CAD drawings or something. Oh, okay. We'll all have right. a look. Uh, Vince says, I passed the EAL, and to be honest, I was rehearsed for the test, had little understanding. Yeah. That's one of the big issues of training, isn't it? Is the fact that too many training providers, there's some really good training providers out there, really good, really yeah. knowledgeable. They understand the subject, they understand people, and they can deliver things very well. But there's also some training providers that basically rehearse you for the, 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 mm. the examination. All right, so it's just a case of bash, 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 bash. Let's just rehearse the examination, get through the exam, get your certificate, off you yeah. go. And you get and the, through the course, you get your piece of paper, and you sit there scratching your head thinking, what the hell was all that about? And the problem, do the I really problem, understand it? The problem is all you want to do is find one that's local, that's affordable, and you don't want to have to worry about the actual different actual outputs of the different training organizations and it's very unfortunate we don't really have i mean you know the guilds and similar are supposed to do external quality assurance but it's very up and down you know that is very very up and down as to how well that is performed um uh and unfortunately this this again all we all we have is people like gary hayes myself and other people in the training industry who are starting to put themselves out into the social domain for other teachers to then go right, either ignore that and pretend it's not there or think about the learners one day saying, right, I'm going to pay you to deliver a course, either do better than those guys or, or let them show you up. So this is one of the things, it's one of the reasons I did the 18th edition back then is because the 18th edition I knew was going to be squeezed into three days. Um, it's going to be squeezed in for three days forever more until hopefully it gets too big. And so I had the challenge. Of, soon. Yeah. And as I had the challenge and I had the challenge of deciding, you know, whether to kind of just keep up with everybody else or to put a version online that was at a slower pace to let everybody else see an alternative. And I worked for as a subcontractor companies that are nationwide award body winning companies, you know, everybody knows them and they're the worst. Some of them, 
um, you know, some of them are just right. You do the training in half a day, then it's practice exam, practice exam, practice exam. Um, it's all about and, numbers. And without you me kind of throwing that problem at you guys, I kind of thought, well, what can I do? So I put some training out for free. Um, so that, that way everybody could access it and then they can then take that to their training and expect the same or better. Uh, that's what I hope for. Um, and it's the same. Uh, so unfortunately, yes, a lot of training companies will rehearse or get you to practice an exam. And that's probably fine for you to pass your exam because you want to. Um, what you need to do is tap into the right resources and make sure you have access to those resources, whether it be yeah. webinars, groups, discords, books, whatever, whatever you need to access. But, you know, um, many people don't get enough from the training course. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, I mean, doing doing mock papers and practice exams is a, an important and valuable mm. learning aid and learning tool. But mm -hmm. it needs to have the understanding and the knowledge behind it as well. So the course shouldn't be all that. Yeah. yeah. So. And again, this is one of the reasons that we've delayed in kind of deciding whether to do two or three nine six ourselves because we've got to look at obviously it being uh, competitive. We've got to find a way to do it in the right time frame. <laughs> But to be fundamentally honest, we would want to spend a lot more time with you delivering the training instead of here, practice this, practice this, practice this. And so, you know, it's taken, you know, a lot of to and fro decide if we can or cannot do it. And we're, we're pretty much very nearly there to a way that we may be able to do it. But, uh, you know, this, this, this is the whole point. We wouldn't, we wouldn't deliver one unless we knew we can give enough support for you to understand regulations. Yeah. For example, if you were to come to me, first thing I'd say to you is, right, once you've gone and watched my YouTube content, for example, then I would give you a little practice exam on that to see if you understand the regs before you actually come on. Because just having a regs exam, unfortunately, doesn't mean you know the regs now because of the way the regs are delivered. You know, it's, 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 it's just unfortunate. It's just unfortunate. Well, I mean, I can quite honestly put my hand on my heart and say that the 2396, the last 2396 course that I delivered, I wouldn't deliver it again, not using the same content and definitely not using the same practice and the same method because I don't think it's good enough and it needs to be improved. And that's what we've been working on, isn't it? Plus the fact we've had all the technical changes. We've had changes in RCD protection. We've had surge protection. We've had AFDDs. There's an awful lot of other information that's out there now that we need to include mm. within the 2396. And we need to be on top of it so we can deliver level of knowledge and understanding rather than just saying, oh, yeah, there's that there as well and yeah. hoping people look it up themselves. Yeah. All right, here's an interesting paragraph. Let's go back to the... Um... The chief executive's report says, within the assessment, it was very disappointing that some of the most basic of questions were answered with very basic responses, such as descriptions relating to PFC testing or the purpose of earthing and bonding. Whilst many were able to state what the requirements were, so a bit of regulation knowledge, there were very few able to actually explain these applications, including purpose and effects. Good design of an installation is understanding the systems and risks associated with an electrical installation and designing out those risks using the correct system. So again, you know, PFC testing, you know, mm. you, you, we've been talking about it a lot with uh, our recent webinars about understanding it. If you understand what the PFC testing is doing, you'd be doing PFC testing at the end of final circuits because yeah. you're understanding the information that you're getting and you're then reflecting it to your design. So understanding 
Yeah, it says here, instead of stating, you should be able to explain these applications. Yeah. All right, so and it's, it's, again, it's like when we talk to people about PFC testing and, you know, people say to us, well, yeah, well, we do an earth loop test and then if we press a button there, it gives us a PFC reading. Well, yeah, it gives you an earth fault current reading. What about your short circuit? And then you have to try to explain to them the difference between earth fault and short circuit and the yeah. fact that you're actually looking at different conductors. And that, I, was, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday because he was looking at a new instrument. He says, yeah, but the problem with this one is not do the, you're looping your PFCs at the same time. I was like, you don't need them at the same time. You shouldn't no. be doing the test at the same time. And I was like, yeah, but you'd get the same, this one button, you get both. I says, yeah, but the tests aren't done with one press of a button. Um, and you know there is there is a gap. There's a huge gap in understanding yeah. with that. It's the same as when you do your ZE reading. If you do a ZE reading with your main earth terminal remote, your main earth conductor removed, yeah, then you need to reconnect it before you do your earth fault current reading. Hmm. And people don't understand. You know, there's I talk to people and they think, well, what's the difference? Well, yeah, when you've got your well, again your conductor back in, you've got all your parallel paths. Your earth fault, your earth loop is going to be much lower. Your fault current is going to be much higher. Well, there's your difference. You see, you can just yeah. say, "Oh, you need to have it disconnected," and then with PEFC, you should have it connected. Yeah. But in this exam, you actually just say, "Well, when you have it disconnected, you're removing parallel paths, and when you're having it reconnected, you're introducing those parallels, and you're then reversing that, and you're saying you're therefore increasing prospective earth fault currents." And that's showing your understanding in yeah. the regulations purpose. Yeah. And that's and again, what's it's getting being people missed to be able to write exams. that down, isn't it? It's getting people writing, to be able to write that down and explain it. Writing technique. Which is something that we're not used to as electricians. We're no. used to just getting on and doing a job and yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, you know, it just seems like we're in the direction of trying to make things as more and more and more simple, more and more and more automated. Even training's now taking that direction with the two three nine one. Um, so I can't, unless we, unless we try to refocus this 2396, I can't see this, these, these numbers improving unless other training companies really focus on technical writing. The, the danger is they make the, um, the assessment easier to try and get the numbers up. Well, that's, uh... that, that is the real danger. That's what they did. I'm not being funny. And again, shoot me down. I, I'm, I can take it, but that's what they did with the inspection and testing. Oh, I've, so many um... people struggled with it. They made it easier. I've had meetings with other people at um, other areas of the industry where the AM2 is concerned and they've looked at the past values and they've determined maybe they need to make it easier. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Surely you don't make it yeah. easier. Surely you look at the other end. But all they can do is control the benchmark. All they can do is control the, the hurdle. You know, yeah. it's easier to lower the hurdle than go to the beginning and actually, you know, change the system. So, do you remember... Not long ago, we did a 2391 course and we had a, a young lady on the course who had been an electrician for a number of years and she'd mm. done a previous inspection and testing course and I passed remember. it, but she came out the other end of it thinking, I don't know enough about this. And that's why she came to do it again. That sort of honesty, that sort yeah. of honesty, you know, when as, as we say to people so many times, the only person that knows how competent you are is you. Do you really understand this? Do you really have all the knowledge? You know, and she was on enough, honest enough with herself to say, I'm not happy with this. And she came to us and did another course, you know, and I think that's, that's brilliant. But uh, it does show that there are people, I'm not saying everybody, but there are people out there that are passing these courses and not really having the full understanding. Yeah. 
And yeah, that's because it's, of the way, it's the way the course is set up. Yeah. All right. It says here, cable design calculations. Now, this is what I think most companies focus on. Is I-B-I-N-I-Z, C-A-C-I-C-G, adiabatics, thermal withstand calculations. I think they probably drill a lot of that into you in the 2396s, from what I've seen. But oh, maybe a little about, bit about regulations. It says there about using the right adiabatic equation. Yes, so they often they also <laughs> use the, the wrong one for obviously yeah. uh, sizing. That's a worry. That's a yeah. worry, isn't it? It is, it is. If you're using the equation for thermal withstand, Instead, instead of the equation for sizing a, a protective conductor, again, a bit of a worry. It, it goes to it goes to try to understand what the formula is for. Instead of again, I see regulation courses that go, oh, now there's maths, now there's a formula. Instead of saying that, why don't you go right? Well, now we're looking at protecting against a fault current, and now we're looking at sizing of a protective conductor. If you actually kind of yeah. explore it properly, then when someone uses the formula, they're actually using it properly. But again, um, it's having the time, isn't it? It's having the time on the courses to be able to understand it and develop it and examine it. Yeah. No surgery. Yeah, it's 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 a struggle. Uh, most candidates were able to determine current uh, circuit design current IB and oh, research the correct detail of the circuit from the seven six seven one. So they were well versed with that. Whilst the majority of candidates did correctly determine the correct and minimum size of live conductors for current carrying capacity, voltage drops still provided a challenge for some, as it seems they do not use all the information in the scenario. That seems like a simple thing to me. But again, it's one of these things, isn't it? Is that when we talk about doing cable calculations, when you look at the, the books, when you look at all the different tables, when do I use this factor? When don't I use this factor? It's the same with earth loop, you know, when we're looking at, you know, if we're measuring a circuit and we're measuring it, the test conditions, and we're looking to see what value we're going to allow, it's completely different to obviously, you know, and also, when we measure a circuit when it's been in, when it's under use. And also so, with, the, with your volts drop, you may have to measure in your design course, you may have to verify the volt drop of a final circuit, but there's also a distribution circuit that you've already worked on. Yeah, you've got other cables and, and other, so, other circuits involved, yeah. So it's most likely they've asked a volt drop question in a final circuit scenario and they've only incorporated the length of that question instead yeah. of considering the prior length and of the distribution the circuit. the distribution circuit, yeah. Yeah, that's probably what it means there by not having all the information in the scenario. Surprising number of candidates were unable to correctly calculate earth fault loop impedance of the series. Some candidates did not even attempt the calculation, which should be considered an absolute basic requirement for an electrical designer to be able to undertake. Let me just pause here. What is an electrical designer? Anybody who puts electrical insulation in. Yeah. As I see so many guys, right, go on this course, first. they work their ass off, they go on this course, then months later they go, oh, yeah, but I don't use it. Well, this is a classic thing, isn't it? But I'm not being funny. Again, shoot me down in flames. If you're doing domestic installations, mm. how many guys actually sit down and work out cable calculations and stuff when they're doing domestic installations? And how many just say, well, okay, I know what I've got in the van. I've got 2.5 for my rings. I've got 2.5 for my immersion heater. I've got a bit of 6 mil. I've got a bit of 4 mil. I've got a bit of 1.5 for my lighting. And never actually consider cable lengths, installation methods, okay, and all well, the other things that might have to be there's David's you know, just designed. Said, 
though, with the on-site guide, we've just tried to rule a thumb everything, simplify everything. You've yeah. got that table that gives us maximum lengths. Um, and that's probably good for a majority of systems, but then there are those scenarios that you need to engineer out. Yeah. And, that, you know... You know, coming back to inspection and testing, you know, when we're teaching inspection and testing, and we're saying to guys, okay, you're putting these circuits in, what test result are you expecting? And they sort of look at you and think, what do you mean? Well, you should have done the calculation first mm. to know what value of continuity, you know, R1, R2, you are going to get before you do the R1, R2 test. Yeah. And then you explain the calculation to them. Now, obviously, anybody who's installing an installation should be doing that design work. Whether it, even if it's, you know, whether it's a domestic, um, too often we poo-poo domestic work. Yeah, and we, oh, you know, it's just anybody throws it in and it's all done the same way. You know, it, when it's done properly, it's not. It's, it should be worked out properly, it should be designed properly, and it should be thought about it just as any sort of commercial industrial system, you should have the same amount of uh, work and planning going into a domestic installation because, you know, we too often think every domestic installation is the same. They're not. You've got different size houses. You've got different sort of construction methods. You've got all sorts of things that could be different. All right? And I think it needs to be, you know, we need to think a bit more about installing. We need to think a bit more about, mm. and again. Yeah. Is it fair to say, though, that you could do too much of it? You could over-design, do you think? Well, can you get to the point where you're doing all the crunching, you're doing all the numbers, and you're thinking, oh, freaking hell, it's always okay. It's always Is it okay. always okay? Well, this is the point. At what point do you think... Take, okay? take a shower circuit in a, in a loft that's got loads of thermal insulation in it, you know, and then the cables mm -hmm. group with several other circuits and stuff like that running through the loft and then thermal insulation over the top, mm -hmm. and somebody's put it in in a bit of six mil or whatever, okay? And then maybe somebody's changed the shower to a 10.5 kilowatt shower, you know... Or simply just change the demand on it. Yeah. So I think there should always be... And if you look at the certificates that we produce, it says there about the design. Mm. You know? Um, Something I always refer to, I say it again, on every testing course I'm on, design course, we have to really understand the importance of understanding utilisation. So many of us mm. don't take utilisation into consideration... And I remember when I did my 239120 exam, one of the questions was written in a, in a very vague way. And I said, well, sir, writing this bloody paper, if you meant this, then I went down one avenue. And if you meant this, I went down another because of utilization wasn't given in the scenario. I got a distinction, so I assume I gave the right direction. But utilization is key. And I think that's something that um, we don't look into too much. Yeah. Moving forward with um, prosumer, with smart homes, I can yeah. definitely see them trying to simplify domestics again, to try to make everybody access this sector. Let's not forget, everyone, that the more people that can access this industry by making it easy to access, cheap to access, then more people will be approved with competent person schemes. More people will be trained by training companies. More people will pay for instrumentation. More people will buy tools. So the more in the industry, the better for everyone else. Yeah. So no one's going to make this harder. And as much as we could try to make it people more competent at this, people will try to make it simpler and simpler and argue yeah. it all the time. Well, Nathan's just made a relevant point talking about costing. 
Yeah. You know, and, and we've, we've experienced this for years and years and years and years. And this goes way back to your year dot. Um, the fact that if you are a proper electrician and you're installing correctly, doing the design work, doing the work properly, taking the time and the effort, you are forever fighting against these people who have got, you know, a book from Wix or whatever, or <laughs> off, off the internet, or how to install an electrical system. Okay, a bag of tools from the local market, and then get uh, cheap materials from wherever online, and they can throw it in at a fraction of the price because they don't bother with proper design, they don't bother with the proper quality of materials, and they don't bother with inspection and testing. It's the bang test. Turn it on. Did it go bang? No, everything's okay. And they can undercut a proper sparky every time. And the yeah. issue we've got here, and you know, we can talk about the competent person system and all the rest of that works forever, but it doesn't work. Okay. The only thing that will work is if we license electricians so that if you want to pick up the tools and you want to go and buy the, equi the equipment and the materials, you must have a license. Competent person systems don't work, have never worked, will never work because of the way they run. Yeah. Until you individually license electricians, we are not going to improve this. If we were all licensed, we'd all be singing from the same hymn book. We'd all be pricing it at the same rate. And that way, we'd all be working in a local area, doing the local work locally. So you won't be passing vans on the M1 that are going from Southampton up to Manchester and looking on the other side and seeing vans that are going from Manchester down to Southampton. You know? Anyway, yeah. And if you've ever listened to an E5 podcast, you'd have heard me say all of that as well at some point or other about <laughs> licensing. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, Adrian says the problem is we have is there's more of them than us. It's true. And, and this is um I've I've said it on the podcast. We need to flush out a lot of people that don't want to maintain a competent level, um, whether or not an extra level is recognised or something. I don't know, but I will always try to help everybody who wants to actually do better um that's all i'm pretty much empowered to do um with the e5 guys we're trying to obviously maintain that positive ethos we're trying to level people up we're trying to push people forward um yeah we get some stick for it but that's because there are a lot of people that don't want change and they just want to do minimum and get maximum gains um it doesn't help protect the consumers at all uh mr meaning are you home yet sir are you still driving He's been to see a JW today. Memo two will price good sparks out of jobs. Um, yeah, uh, we can't comment too much on the memo two, obviously, mate. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's you know potential change present that will make it even harder. Um, you're still driving, buddy. Okay, you should be typing on your phone then. Right. Um, Knowledge would be a 7671 for design. Very few candidates were able to match the fundamental principles of fault protection with the protective measures given in chapter 41, which many seemingly ignoring the word fault in the question is given instead gave methods of basic protection. On the 18th edition course that I delivered, when I got to chapter 41, I broke it down into two parts, basic and fault protection. I then went to every protective measure and I said, Basic protection is achieved with this. Fault protection is achieved with this. And that's the way it should be understood. Clearly, some people skip that. I remember one company that is from the Northeast that are very popular in the UK. Their, their slide for all of Chapter 41 was one page with black and white writing. It just said, protective measures 
ADS, double installation, self-help, electrical separation, there was nothing that broke down those protective measures any further. You know, and people who do courses like that, those are the ones that will struggle to explain the differences between basic and full protection. Yeah. So important to understand the regulations properly to then use that information. Uh, once again, disappointingly few candidates were able to understand the difference between or purpose of earthing and bonding. Yeah. We've, we've not released them yet, but we've done some podcasts with E5 guys about um, earthing and bonding. I even suggested, should we just split them? And Paul was like, oh, no, no, but we need to do this. And there's, we had two, no, we had three podcasts talking about earthing and bonding. We still probably didn't get all the things discussed. It just seems to be something that keeps going around in circles. Earthing and we, did, we did webinars on earthing. We did. Bonding. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, it looks like in the future, we're going to have even more information to take in with earthing and bonding. But uh, people just don't quite understand the science between either of them. And they may even call it earth bonding, you know, which clearly shows you don't really understand the differences between the two. All right. So if you're, you know, if you are thinking of doing the 2396, download these um, and just say to yourself, right, am I, am I fully understanding the differences between those? Because it could be that the 2396 that you go on would be, here's a practice exam, here's a practice exam, and it might not. Remember, those practice exams are marked by your tutors. They may not have the full instruction of how to mark that the city and guilds give. Yeah? It might be that, you know, you write the answer correctly from my perspective, but you got it at the end of the paragraph instead of right at the beginning. And for me, you'd have passed, you'd be okay. But for the sitting gills, you'd flop. All right. So do get a good bit of time to understand that. Right. Um, it's clear that many do not fully read the questions correctly as many responded to a question which clearly stated the presence of a metallic service pipe with answers specifying and relating to plastic. So obviously they see that they're thinking about the regulations and they're going, it's talking about pipes. It must be plastic. RTFQ, read the fucking question. Um, I say that when I do the regs course, I say them design course, read the question once, read the question twice. Think of an answer before you respond, read it a third time. You must fully understand that answer. Yeah. Most candidates provided suitable responses to questions where items from BS7671 needed recalling or listing. So they'd done a regs. Okay. Like most series before this one, a large number of candidates who when asked to determine short circuit current protection, determined earth fault loop impedance values and centers need to pay particular attention to this during delivery. Short circuit current protection has nothing to do with earth fault loop impedance. Does it? Yeah. Uh, and again, so, it's one of those things, isn't it? Is because people are so used to doing an earth fault reading. Yeah. And then pressing a button to get a fault current reading, mm. you know, without determining or did thinking about exactly what they're actually recording there and what conductors are involved. Yeah. It's, um, it, it mentions there, it says about the conductors there. So again, people are just getting confused. To be perfectly honest, maybe the 2391 doesn't also cover this enough. Because maybe it doesn't well, cover it enough for you to understand the real problem this, here. This comes back again to, and this is this is something that we've covered a number of times, is the importance of perspective short circuit current and testing it at the end of circuits 
because yeah. it's not in the regs, it's not in the onside guide, it's not in guidance note three. People only think about doing short circuit um, current tests at the origin and at fuse boards maybe to determine that the protector device and the equipment is not going to get blown to smithereens by this massively huge fault current and then completely forget that at the other end of the spectrum, at the end of the circuit, you might not, not have enough fault current to actually operate the protector device. Mm -hmm. And again, this is because we've been lulled into a full sense of security by RCD protection, which mm -hmm. has got nothing to do with short circuit because RCDs don't work under short circuit. So there's a whole amalgamation there of ideas. Um, and this is stuff that we've looked at and we've covered before, and it's mm. still causing issues. It's still causing problems. Yeah. And I think if we, if we brought, and we've been banging on about this for years, if we brought in testing short circuit current at the end of circuits, okay, if it was accepted and adopted as a wide, wide scale practice, uh, then it would actually help to alleviate a lot of these issues. People yeah. would start thinking about what the difference is. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, why isn't it adopted? Why isn't what adopted? Is that the final Testing circuit? short circuit current at the end of circuits. Because, I don't know, we've, we've been banging on about it for years. Same as testing neutrals. Why don't we test continuity of neutrals? We'd need to ask the people who write the book. JPL64. Yeah. Um, right now they're working on something else. Um, mm. Let's just say that's yeah, that's all I can really talk about. Um, but yeah, uh, this is one of those things that we'll constantly remind them about. Uh, they know, they know. Don't expect to see it anytime soon. No, not yet. Um, top paragraph here: a question relating to the calculated risk level for surge protection that attracted mixed responses, with many simply quoting the wording from the regs rather than explain what needs to be taken into account when determining if protection is required. Well, I know for a fact that the majority of companies delivering the regulations in, you know, a three day squeeze often would skip past chapter 44 because it's only two or three questions in your exam and they didn't bother. Um, some of them that did cover it obviously didn't cover it in enough detail. You have the regulations in the exam. What, what can you have in the exam? Do you remember in this that? exam, everything. Is it all, all resources, is it? I believe so. There is a so. document that sells, says what you can use um, for these exams. Yeah. And I think you can have on -site the... On-site guide, regs, guidance guide three. three On-site guide and BS7671. Yeah, you can have all of them, yeah. So what's happened is obviously guys have access to BS7671. They've just quoted the formula, but they've not used it. So they've not got that experience using it. Um, and that's, that's fairly evident. So again, what's happening is they're seeing there's a lack of understanding on the application of BS7671. Yeah. Can't overemphasize how important it is. If you're thinking of doing a 2396, go back to your understanding of BS7671. How do you understand the application of these regulations? Can you answer a question in the descriptive term instead of the statement? All right. You're miles ahead if you can. Uh, selection and erection. A question related to the selection and erection of an RCDs in the given type of installation initially had responses which started well, but as the question proceeded, the answers were not consistent with the scenario and instead were more realistic to dwellings. So obviously, I'm assuming with that is more of an understanding about RCDs, 30 milliamp, 5i delta N. And maybe they've said, oh, okay. Let's have an RCD of X, but then they've said, let's test it at times five. 
which most likely refers to additional protection. You wouldn't test that at times five if it was 100 million bar CD, for example. Yeah. So, yeah, if the, if the rig, that's possibly what that's getting at. You know, you only times five test an RCD if it's there for the purpose of additional protection under 415.1. Yeah, so that might be the issue that they've done there. They've kind of, you know, they've they've selected it correctly, but then tested it incorrectly. Seems few candidates are familiar with the requirements of Chapter 53, and in particular, the selection of RCDs based on electrode resistances. That's just Ohm's law, isn't it? And 50 volts, surely. No? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, crazy. A question requiring design considerations relating to emergency switching, stroboscopic effects, and undervoltage protection was reasonably well answered. But again, like many responses in the series, answers lacked key detail and were brief. So more of a statement from the regs. Whilst responses do not need to be wordy, they do need to make sense and contain some technical content. Technical content. Technical writing. Yeah? So if you find a response to a practice exam and you go, oh, it's that... Don't just write it, try to add it in a technical sentence that explains that you understand why you've come up with that response. All right. Verification. Many could explain why nasty is tested at intervals using the test button. Few can explain why the interval is now six months instead of three. Senators should be encouraged to research this reason as knowing why would put much more emphasis on getting consumers to actually carry out the test. Now, Paul Maynard's listening. He's going, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because actually, you know, it's manufacturers. Some manufacturers will say monthly. So, um, that, yeah. Descriptions related to PFC testing were at best poor, lacking in key detail. A few responses described any form of procedure, with many confusing this test with an external earth fault loop impedance test. Crikey. Question relating to the results of an earth electrode resistance test attracted mixed responses, with many being able to determine values but fewer knowing how to verify them. So it's again, it's like a, it's a little bit of information, a little bit of understanding is what's happening here. Yeah. Again, it's Most, a test that very few people do. No. And so they're going to guidance notes three and they're writing what they're seeing instead of explaining what they're seeing. Yeah. Huge yeah. difference. Huge difference. Special locations, as well as having an understanding of the requirements of 76714 special installations and locations, candidates at this level will need to demonstrate knowledge of the risks which lead to these further measures. So why are they special locations? Not that they are, but why? Good understanding of the risks enables designers to select suitable measures, including a better understanding of why certain requirements must be met. This is where I get to that area of going, oh, when I'm asked a code, I ask, or a lot more information because you must know the why before you start stating things it's the same here so you need to explain why special locations are special locations you spell actually describe the level of risk and then you can select with it you don't go it's ip44 because it says it's so in the regs you go because of the risk of this yeah <laughs> On average, most candidates answer these questions to a reasonably good standard in relation to an agricultural installation and conducting a case with restricted movement. It should have been noted that many candidates began their response with detailing some of the risks, such as reduced body resistance, but ended up reciting requirements. The intention of the questions is to address why requirements are there and not what the requirements are. Yeah. So, yeah. 
And that's a recurring theme, isn't it? That's a recurring yeah. theme is, is understanding why things are there, why these things are written, rather than I think, what they are. And I think, I think one of the problems with that is because they've got the regs book. So they've got a question. And if the question's about conductive location with restricted movement, they're going to go straight to 704, is it? Or, no, 704 is agricultural. 706, I think, maybe 706, 705, one of those. And they're just going to see the stated information and they're going to then copy that over or loosely copy that over. But if you actually understand without, you know, you may not even need the regs book for that. Yeah, if you have a good understanding of why that special location exists, you can still use the regs. If, for example, I was to describe my IP rate selection in a location that had, you know, jet cleaning, and I might not remember it's IPX5, I can go to the regs for that. I need to actually describe the scenario. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Ollie just said about the fact that, uh, that a lot of the problem is people not reading the question properly, but also understanding what the question is asking you to do. RTFQ, yeah, the question, question. What is the question you're asking you for? Okay. Then start to answer it. Don't just jump in and start relaying um, regulation numbers. But it also, David, I'm just thinking about, we've, we've been speaking some time about the regs course because we've both got a, a view on the, the current regs course. The fact that it's a bit like a where's Wally, you know, can you find this regulation? Can you regurgitate this information? And we've mm. been thinking some time about how that could be enhanced mm. to make a far more worthwhile, you know, uh, sort of examination or certificate or qualification Maybe one thing that we could do is maybe do some sort of enhanced regulation course where we actually look at getting people to explain why the regulations are there and what the regulations are achieving. You know, well, this something needs to happen. I mean, when I've spoken to City and Guilds, it's been so deflating because if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, and I say, you know, I mean, they look at past numbers and they don't look at the actual methods of training. And unfortunately, a lot of people who go on training they only want to go on to get the certificate because yeah. they've been told to go on. Very few of them actually want to actually mentally improve and move on and learn. Uh, that's fine. You know, you can't have everybody wanting the same thing. Um, but a lot of people go on these courses and they don't get what they want. They don't necessarily get the right amount of information. Um, and unfortunately, unless they themselves start, appealing to the guilds to improve this qualification the guilds are just going to sit on their hands the training companies yeah with the exception of a very 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 few just want to roll through people coming through making money yeah so, um, so it's a numbers game yeah and number so of they, candidates money coming in and the more work they have to put on it the, you know the, the it's just more of an arse ache. And many trading companies, many of them now, don't actually have their own full-time employees. I know a good number that do, but many create a company because they think it's money-making and they're a freelance trainer. I'm a freelance trainer. And they'll work for, and they'll go around working with other companies. So they don't really want to do the work themselves to improve the qualifications because the guy coming to deliver their course, they can't control his training as well. You know? So it's... I, I mean, I look at this and I think, you know, we, we spend quite a lot of time doing stuff. I'd be quite happy to work on maybe a couple of little projects where we put some stuff together, a sort of level up sort of um, regs um, webinar or, mm. or, or regs course. And because we, could we, could do, we some... could do some that would be 
that would be free. I'm quite happy to send some stuff out that's free. Well, we can push you know? ideas together and we can pass it by people. And if, they, if they're up for it, we can even put it through the guild um, and see if the guild would be okay with putting a higher level one up. I mean, I did well, we a go for an accreditation. Yeah, I, we could do. I mean, I did a level up course and we had a good dozen or so people on it and they all found it very, very good. And that was actually not so much explaining regulations like you've done, but actually, you know, advancing the use of the regulations. And they found it, you know, pretty much everyone who came on that was pretty happy yeah. with that. A few guys are in the chat now, actually. Yeah. Um, as Paul says, we need a level four or five course. We do. We do. We need something. We need something. Um, what, what, <laughs> I mean, we can come up with some ideas, but, um, you know, um, and we can present ideas to you. That's fine. Um, but we're not going to say what, well, what, what I think is. I think there's good merit and good value in putting something together where we look at the regulations mm. and we look at certain subjects and we look at certain passages and say right okay let's explain this and let's get people to do a bit of technical writing on it and we encourage people to get involved in some technical writing to explain why certain regulations are there and we could put some of those together I'm quite happy to do, put you know some hours into it and actually mm. develop something that we can put out free yeah in the initial stages, get guys to sort of take part in it, see what they think of it, and then develop it. And then I could go to the City Guild and see if we can get accreditation for it. If guys also, want to get any sort of uh, yeah. professional recognition for it. Other than that, we could just do it just as a sort of levelling up exercise, um, just for people's own sort of I'm satisfaction. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the guilds will be okay with it because, um, you know, it's money for them. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, everything um, you everything you do with them is yeah yeah but i think it would i think uh, as michael said this would help me with understanding for the 2396 i think something that you know is a technically written piece nothing that's too challenging something that is obviously you know something that supports improves yeah. and then obviously yeah moves forward okay we could put some ideas together um but yeah uh okay did you want me to briefly go through this other one? We're, we've passed the hour. Well, we, the we're, we're, one. An hour, we're about an hour and a quarter. So um, I think the other one is very much, is a, a lot Same. of stuff is, is quite similar. I think okay. I but, think probably the guys would be better if they can access this City and Guild's website, have a look yeah. at these examiner's reports, have a good read of them, guys. They're really, really, really informative. Well, I remind you guys of where they them, go. Huh? I'll remind the guys of where they went to. Okay, yeah. so as well so as reading them, sort of think about what is where people are going wrong, and think about whether or not you have sufficient understanding and knowledge, and you know. Yeah. And I think perhaps what we could do is maybe do another one of these um, in the future, in the very yeah. near future, maybe. We will. I mean, again, our objective is to keep everybody thinking forward and positive. And again. Um, we thought about doing a course ourselves and our problem has been obviously delivering the correct course. And for us, the correct course is the one that, you know, where you are very well prepared and you can write technically and you will just breeze through. Um, right before we finish, we'll, talk, we'll show you where you can register interest with that if you are interested in it. But even if you're not, City and Guilds Google, go to the Google, uh, go to the City and Guilds site and then you land on the site and go to this little search the site box this is what we did earlier two three nine six and then you have this qualification here and then you have the description of the qualification some information there and you've got documents 
and there's the qualification handbook in the center documents. Do read that. Assessment material has the drawing, which you could download. But we've been in this area here, additional documents, examiner reports, and you can download them. And just take your time, read them, see what they're saying. See how much they're saying about the need to understand how to write things technically. Um, this is something that we are really losing grasp of. Everyone wants quick summary, quick statement answers instead of actually exploring into passage. My Discord's got a design chat area. We've looked at trying to do something with Facebook, but obviously Facebook isn't easy to create a separate community area other than another group. So we're kind of in between. We haven't quite decided what to do there. But uh, download them, read them. And if you feel like doing the 2396, um, make sure you've got those in. See if your company will, training company will support you with it. Um, somebody asked right at the beginning. I did see it and I forgot to respond to it about online with a company. Um, whoa, that was ages ago. Jesus, I've not been looking at the chat. <laughs> Somebody asked about doing a course with CTCC UK Limited. Adam, um, I'm not actually familiar with those guys, I'm afraid, mate. Um, think of doing it distance learning with CTTC UK. Any views on doing it distance learning or CTTC? I personally don't have, I'm not familiar with who they, who they are. Um, if you're in my Facebook group, you can ask in there. I'll approve a post if you're asking about that company um, for other people who've done it. As for distance learning, here's the thing. We've, we've kind of did in dally with it because the, the key thing is if you're distance learning is maintaining constant support to you as a learner. What you shouldn't do is say, right, do this and then come back when you've done that and then do this, there should be constant engagement. And that's one of the differences between being in the classroom, which is great because we can have constant eye contact, we can deliver information, we can see one-on-one -on -one if you're actually maintaining communication and understanding or if you've, if you've lost the plot, because we can come back a bit and we can go again. Uh, this is one of the big obstacles with online delivering, which I think Phil and I both agree is a huge thing that we would definitely want to avoid happening is delivering stuff and it not sinking in and us not being able to provide you with enough support. So if anyone has distance learning, just ask them how they're gonna support you on the learning. They might say like, oh, you have an email and we'll respond within 24 hours. That's fairly standard stuff. And if that's good enough, fine. The Discord is there, all right? Um, doesn't matter you know, who you're doing the training with. There are guys in there that, I mean, they're excellent guys in that Discord and they'll help you out. You know, I'll pop in and I'll say hello and I try to help. But to be honest, sometimes I'm overwhelmed with the other guys in that discord. I'm going, oh, okay. And they pretty much can, uh, you know, lead on and, uh, I, and I don't have to do much. Um, but yeah, um, ask about them um, with other people first. I don't, I don't know them. One of, one of the issues we've had, because we've done a few online courses, haven't we, with, um, You've done a, a 18th edition. I've done um, 7909 temporary mm. uh, installation, electrical installations. And um, yeah, I mean, for, for during this lockdown period, during this pandemic, it's been a, a wonderful tool to use so we can actually continue the learning progress and that mm. learning journey. But it's not ideal. The big, issue, the big issue as a trainer or lecturer when you're trying to deliver online is you haven't got physical contact with the people that you're delivering to. When you're delivering in a classroom, you can look at people's faces mm. when you're explaining something 
and you can say you can tell straight away whether or not they've got it or not you know they might be sitting there sort of keeping mum because they feel a bit silly because they haven't understood it but you can tell by looking in their eyes they haven't got that yet yeah. so you can repeat things and you can judge your audience because you can see them when you're delivering online it isn't always easy so when you're delivering online, what you need is the candidates that are taking part to be far more honest with you and say, hey, hang on, I haven't got that shit. You know, can you tell me again? Can you repeat that? Can you go through it again? Um, so online yeah. learning, it's got to be a far more honest thing. And the candidates, and this is something that um, students quite often forget, is you guys are paying for this. You know, we're working for you. Make sure you get the most out of it. If you haven't understood it, if we haven't done it right, tell us all right and we'll do it again and we'll go through it again and we'll spend some more time and this is something that Simple. students quite often forget they they forget that we're working for you guys so you Continue. tell us what you want um and this is important i think especially with online training you need to be really really honest don't feel stupid because every every training course i've ever taken part in i'm the annoying guy that sat at the front asking questions and i don't care if people think that i'm daft you know, because I know that there's 10, 12 people behind me thinking, thank God he's asked that because I didn't get that. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm too old now and, and too fat and too ugly to worry about what people think of me. All right. So you've got to be honest when you're in an online learning environment. Make sure you get everything out of that mm. that you can. Ask the questions. Don't feel daft because you haven't understood things. There's a, a, a comment there from uh, William, who's 81. Yeah. He says William. he's still learning. Sir. William, we're all yep. still learning, mate. Full respect. We agree yep. to you. Every day is a school day for us. We are forever learning. And we learn from the students as much as we learn from each other and forums and everything else. We learn every day. And it's a, it's a journey that we're going to continue probably until I'm pushing up the daisies. Um, it's never going to stop. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Adrian's good, new good to see you still involved. Yeah. yeah, he is. He's on the Facebook. He's always involved. And uh, plus that. Um, Adrian's new to training. He's been doing it a, a year or so now, but he's been doing it on Zoom. He's finding it tough. It is. It is tough, and it's not ideal. Um, so it's just a case of trying to find out the great solutions. Somebody asked about the times uh, for this qualification. Um, the guided learning hours, classroom learning hours for the 2396 are 30 hours. That's the guided learning hours from City and Guilds. Total qualification time, 100 hours. So go. obviously what they're looking the at handbook. there is... 30 hours in the classroom and then another 70 hours of you working at home on your project and this that, and the other yeah. That's, yeah, total, that's the that, yeah the learning is obviously delivery of information the tqt is including of assessment preparation and delivery and in this case your project as well so it's everything else goes in that but there should be 30 hours of learning uh, with that so i mean it it, it, it knuckles down to normally i think with most trading companies about a week or so um but again that that can work that can work but i think the key thing and this is something that we said earlier on this evening is making sure that you are effectively prepared for the learning because we've said about writing technically your understanding of the wiring regulations now if you've come with onto the course with the inability to understand how to use the regulations and to write with the regulations, how to understand testing and write with that, then you're, you're, there's going to be no time for you to develop that. This 30 hours often will just translate to, let's practice the idiomatic, 
let's practice cable design, let's practice thermal withstand, let's practice an exam. That's often how it ends up because that's all there's the time to do. Um, really, uh, they don't even do practice projects with most companies. And this is something, again, that I can understand why, because there's just no time and everything yeah. gets shrunk down. But perhaps that's somewhere where online or uh, blended learning could, could assist because you could spend more time, couldn't you, going through things if you haven't got to get everybody into a classroom. Well, this is, this is the kind of thing, I mean, we've, we've dealt even down with the idea of doing it online and the, it's, it's, there's two problems. One problem is we can't do this. We can't do it online in that period of time. It's going to take more. It's going to take more yeah. time. Yeah. We're okay with that. We're okay with that. It's going to take more time than that. And we can support the project better online because we have the real scenario. We have platforms like Discord, webinars, meetings. We can do that. Um, the only issue we have really is, is the ability to maintain communication with each of you to assure that you're not, that you're keeping up and that we're not leaving you behind. And that, you know, methods of doing that is, is the only real thing that we've, we're just finally trying to knuckle down on, really. And then obviously, yeah, there is the exam delivery itself, which would be a, a date given by the Guild at a place in the UK. Most likely we would do a North and a South one on the same evening me up here you down there or something like that but yeah if you are interested in us and doing one with us uh all i can say for now is if you go to sparkyninja.com um is that? there is a page up above proposed courses you can just click here design i'd like to attend that and what'll happen is when we then announce We've also got the 7909s back up, by the way, for August. We're going to do some of them in 7909 in August. And the D, I'm going to look in Phil's eyes now. Is that ready? Yeah, near enough. All right. Uh, you can just click any that you're interested. This isn't a commitment. And then what happens is when we have dates, we've got an email thing that will send to you. And then you'll know. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, but yeah, anything else you want to cover tonight, Pop, before we say good evening to everybody? Uh, no, I mean, nice yeah, you, know, you know, when are we going to do the 2396? We'll do the 2396 when we think it is right. Um, mm. We don't want to go off half-cocked. We want to make sure that we've put right all the things that have been wrong with it so far. Um, and we hope, I mean, we're hoping, aren't we, to be doing it in the next sort of month, a couple of months, yeah. maybe? We're, we've got, going. first thing we're going to do is obviously we've got to decide the right RPL. Uh, making sure yeah. that everybody is prepared for that so obviously we might just say right go and check out the youtube 18th edition for example and then you know maybe answer this question or do a bit of live conversation with us a bit of q a just as a professional statement just to see if you can understand the regulations a bit better because what we don't want to do is obviously again is is bring you guys into a course and really struggle to keep up we're here to help but we're not here to take the mick um so we can do that and it's just we're also waiting to see what the guild are going to do because you know the, the city and guild are about exams and dates. This you know we're still right now at this point with COVID where we're looking at coming back and you know things are moving right. We're just waiting for the next thing. I don't know. Have we had any information about exam dates from them? I don't I haven't checked. Um, I think there are exam dates around, but um, again, it's how we deliver it because um, the, the exam will have to be delivered at certain times. You know, during the year, mm. there's certain dates and certain times. Obviously. If we are, one of the things we were looking at was delivering a 2396 pretty much nationwide, weren't we? Mm. Um, 
uh, and doing it as a, a blended sort of course with mainly online, but also getting people to various centres through the country um, to assist with that. And it's yeah. something we've we've got to fine tune that and make sure that that will work so that we can deliver it. Yeah. What we don't want is people travelling the length and breadth of the country to, to come and do exams or stuff. Uh, we, we'd rather try to move to where they are. Um, yeah, exactly. So you've got one person travelling rather than... 10 or 15 we'll figure um, some we will figure something out and we will get them yeah. out very very soon we appreciate so logistics is we've got to think about how we're going to deliver it logistically but uh, <laughs> yeah we will be doing one yeah. within the next hopefully next couple of months yeah, it's been my comment um i think after this pandemic training for things like this need to go hybrid or blended my 239152 was not good on zoom the parts of it could be taken out of the classroom and then allow for much better training and contact time all right you did a 239152 did you while you were in lockdown wow I don't know how I would deliver that on Zoom. Um, I mean, yeah, you need so much, um, you need so much opportunity to get on on tools with that contact time. As uh, whilst technically the two three nine one five two, you should know how to test. You still would need to have that actual on time testing, wouldn't you? What two three nine two? Two three nine one five two. Yeah. Two three nine one. This was always a classic thing, wasn't it, with the 2391, was the fact that um, when you look at the actual syllabus of the 2394 and the 2395, mm. City and Guilds was hinting that actually you weren't coming on those courses to learn how to inspect and test. You should no. know how to do that before you got there. And that's what the 2392 was for, mm. to go through the basic inspection and testing, the foundation inspection and testing course. Um, so when people came onto the 2394, they should have had that previous experience coming on to the 2394 to do initial verification, having had some experience of it and knowing how to inspect and test. And the 2394 was there to fine tune. Well, and, no, to, yeah. and then the 2395 initially was there to, for people that had had their 2394 and done initial verification for a period of time and got experience. Yeah. And then come on to do the 2395. But then, of course, they joined Unfortunately, it a lot of companies have people who aren't teaching the vocation, taking the bookings, and they don't follow the letters to the T. I remember yeah. when, I was, when I was employed, I was down in Watford delivering a 2391, and in the classroom was a guy who worked for the Royal Mail. He was trying to do a career change, and he'd never touched a test instrument, never. And he's on a 2391, and so I'm going through parts of Guidance Notes 3, well, yeah, you do this, you do this. And he's sulking after about two or three hours. So, well, when do we start learning how to test? I was like, well, no, you should know how to test. Yeah, because there's a 2392 if you don't know how to test. And he yeah. obviously tried to, he was told he didn't need the 2392 if he didn't want to pay for it. And it was now up to me to try to make amends and, and give him the, 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 the magic art of experience and testing all in the case of two days while I had another 15 guys in the same room, you know. Yeah. It, but they put trainers under a lot of pressure. Some of these companies, and uh, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the things that started my downhill journey with that company. Um, when is the seven nine oh nine, David? Um, with going, <laughs> <Ooh>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, culprit uh, is the other end of this. I'm sat maybe. here. Yes. Um, um, we're going to announce some 7909 dates for the month of August, and 7909D will be in that. Whether we do 7909D yes. first. We don't know yet, but we will announce that. Um, in, in, uh, but it's, it's going to be August now. You know, it's not going to be next week or any time. But again, um, go onto the website if you haven't registered interest, and then when we do announce, you'll get an email. 
Um, and when we do announce, I'll probably put it on social media as well. Um, also, before you guys leave, we're going to do some webinars. I'll just say, can yeah. I just say, you mentioned the 7909D will only be available to people that have done the BNC course. Well, that makes sense. It's the design. Yeah, part, I mean, it? yeah, yeah, I can, you know, great. I can take money off of, you know, we can take money off of people and enroll them on a course, you know, 7909D. And yeah, but there'll be a lot of stuff. There'll be, of, there'll be a lot of stuff not covered. I, I'm not happy need. with that. I want people that are coming on well, the D course that have done the B and the C so they will get the most out of the D course. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I'm, I'll check, I'll check and see that information's on the website. If not, I'll put it on there this evening. Okay, mate. Um, yeah. Terry also said, do certificates get sent out for the first C course? Uh, probably. I will double check. I will double okay. check. Yeah. And David, practical dates for the C course. Again, it's just down to us coordinating dates again. Um, we've got a couple of places. Did you uh, did you go to that golf place? Were they all right? I, d I did, but the guy that's dealing with it isn't in until next week. He's on holiday at the moment. Okay. What I have found out is that at the moment, we can most places are limiting numbers to 30, which mm. won't affect us because obviously we don't want 30 people in on a practical anyway. Yeah. Um, but there's certain issues and certain requirements when you are delivering um, this type of thing, this practical thing, within an enclosed space okay uh and we got to look at ppe for people which obviously we will provide but there'll be ppe there'll be masks and visors and gloves and all the rest of it and we need to make sure we've got everything in place what we don't want to be doing is delivering a course and then find out that oh ascot college and sparky ninja um the last sort of 20 30 people that were on their course are all now in hospital because yeah <laughs> be good, it? you know so um, we've got to make sure that we've covered all those yeah. things and i so, want to be absolutely 100 sure yeah i mean we've got a list of anybody at risk we've got a list of sites that we use for different uh, venues and things and the majority of them are now starting to say we're now opening but they're opening delicately to be to be blunt and so we've got to you know find out the best negotiation now we, we're hoping the month of april will be the month where a lot of that stuff gets resolved and get sorted but what we will be doing is for the c course uh for the guys who do the practical was the what we're going to do is when we get some dates done for that everyone who enrolls on that practical day will have a evening prior either one or two evenings prior uh where we'll do a like a pre a pre-assessment thing but yeah. yeah a bit of a reprise on what we've discussed um and then we'll just kind of prepare you for the assessment so it won't be completely out of the blue yeah that'll all be done yeah the, uh, on on the subject of the certificates for the c course there's no actual certificates going out at the moment obviously because nobody's done the practical but what you what you will get is a uh, a certificate of um unit achievement for, for doing the first bit of doing the first day the first part, that's yeah. what we're talking about we're not talking about the full cert for the sequels we're talking about you will get a, a certificate of unit achievement for having passed the first day in the exam mm -hmm. yeah once you've done the practical then you get the full cert but um yeah just to sort of just clarify that because you know i think some of the guys are sitting there thinking well, hang on i didn't get a certificate at all for the sequels you know, and some guys haven't done the practical. Nobody's done the practical yet. No, no, no practicals have been done at all yet. Yeah, we want to yeah. we want to keep everybody safe. Yeah. We don't want to be killing people off um, uh, just to earn a few quid. Yeah. <laughs> just looking at the Q and A, David says, uh, "Just want to add the issue of these smartphone apps and how good they are." 
and probably the reason why many don't look through regs. Do you know how many times, David, I've gone through a cable calculation or I've done something and someone in the room has gone on his phone or you draw a scenario and he'll look at it and go, four mil. And after about 20 minutes, it's four mil. It's like, pisses me off a lot. But I understand. Uh, and they'll go on their things, yeah. Um, but the but trouble said, is with uh, those, we, yeah. the trouble is with those is that, yeah, the apps are useful, yeah, but you don't get the full in, full understanding of what's going on. You just enter in some numbers and some data, and then bang, this thing gives you a number. And remember, this this goes back to something that you and I have both said, and I know other people have said, Paul Mean and others. We should be working from the regs, yeah, with a full understanding of what that involves and what is being applied, and all the procedures and the principles and everything else, you know. And yes, these apps are useful, but I would always want to know how to do the the calculation properly myself. Yeah adding in all the relevant factors of the environment and the utilization and the, you know, how the cable has been installed and anything else that might be relevant to me, right. Rather than just going bang, bang, bang on a thing and pressing the button. It's, yes. I totally understand these are useful, but again, we shouldn't yeah. be working to them. We should be using them, you know, properly and as a guide. My, my response is always the same software. They're only as good as the person putting the information into the software. And if you don't know what information to put into the software, then, you know, even if the software works or not, you know, how would you know? So you must be able to come out of the software and perform the task yourself to then, you know, see if you're doing it right or not. It's a bit like the certification software, isn't it? You know, we've talked about that before. Certification software, yeah, fantastic, great. Well, but you can't always put everything into it and you can't alter stuff if you want to add certain other to I remember, test results. I remember cursing out um, Amtech for ages because it would it wouldn't allow me to put in a a B six amp breaker with a ten k breaking capacity. It mm -hmm. said it has to be six k. It just wouldn't allow me to actually manually put in the information. It had that magic auto filling, making my life easier. Instead, it was making my life harder because it was actually being stupid. Um, but you know, yeah, people, you know. It, people try too hard to make things easier and then we end, we end up becoming dumber. All right. Uh, so again, I was about to say, um, webin <laughs> webinars, okay. Um, going to be doing some more coding webinars very soon with the, the rest of the guys at E5. We're going to be doing one on domestic, one on commercial, one on industrial. We'll have uh, Mr. Meehan jumping on. Uh, Mr. Ward's going to come on to one. I think Dan's going to come on to one. We might even get... Um, Mr. Skirm on the one thing, Paul's gone. He's had to go to dinner. Um, and so we'll be doing some webinars coming up and we'll be discussing those over this weekend and we'll be putting dates up for those next week uh, and putting some more webinars out. Okay, so they'll be going out next week as well as 7999 dates when we finally get them out as well as if we do get a conclusion, uh, we'll email out some idea for 2396 if we feel confident that we can do it justice. And to be honest, right, what it means, us doing it justice means us not basically fucking it up for you. Yeah. We We're not easily... in the business of just no. taking money off no. of people and so, squeezing them through. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just so um, register your interest and then we will uh, let you know if, if well, when we uh, decide some dates. But there are more webinars to come. Uh, any other last comment from you, Pop? No, I think our 45 minutes is up, actually. Sean, more 45-minute webinars. Yes, mate. Um. <laughs>
When have yeah, we ever stopped? At least it's one, not three hours this time. One of these days, one of these days, we'll do something in forty-five minutes in a webinar, and then and then then I'll remind you every time. One day. One day. All right. Um, nothing else from you? No, absolutely fine. No, great. Okay. Have a look Bye. at have a look at that website, guys. Get on the City and yep. Girls website if you're interested in two three nine six. Read through that information. Yep. Lots of information. Read through it, and if you want to talk just about design, jump on the Discord. Okay. Um, there's a design group in there. Uh, you guys can even upload these files there. These reports, you can upload them there. That's not a problem. It's all f anything that's free is fine. Um, okay, guys. Let me. Oh, I stop this. I've forgotten again. There we go. Have a good weekend. Bye, Bye guys. See ya. I'm off for a beer. Uh, yeah, same thing.